The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this sunny summer Sunday, whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via the podcast, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is Jessica Chica, and I have the pleasure of serving as the university chaplain for international students here at Marsh Chapel. Our dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is away this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today, we welcome our guest preacher for the summer preaching series, New Directions in Discipleship, the Reverend Dr. Stephen Cady. Reverend Cady joins us today from Asbury First United Methodist Church in Rochester, New York, where he serves as the senior pastor. He also has the auspicious familial distinction of being son-in-law to Dean Hill and Jan. Welcome back to Marsh Chapel, Stephen. We gather this morning to worship God and to be reminded of the divine gifts of grace which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
Let us pray. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may know and understand what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We now enter into a time of reflection on both the things we have done and the things we have left undone that might burden us throughout our days. As the choir sings the Kyrie, may we reflect on our lives as interconnected members of this world and children of God who are constantly struggling and striving to live out God's word in the world. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Friends, hear the good news. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 1 and 4 to 7. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and, ha and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but, I, but the evil I do is not what I want, want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of my God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 66 with Antiphon. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. There we rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Let us our God, let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. You brought us into the net. You laid burdens on our backs. We let people lie over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a spacious place. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows. That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fatlings with smoke of sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear, all you who worship God, and I will tell what God has done for me. I cried aloud to God, who was highly praised with my tongue. If I had cherished the iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened and has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not rejected my prayer, who removed his steadfast love for me. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. Glory to you, O Lord. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
What a gift it is to be among you this morning. I want to say a special thank you to the staff of Marsh Chapel for their hospitality in having me here today, and to Dean Hill for his invitation in having me come and speak today and next week. It is such a privilege to stand in the pulpit of someone who, father-in-law or not, I believe to be one of the greatest preachers of our generation. I also am aware of all the many other great preachers who have stood in this pulpit, not the least of which I remember today, Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, from whom I have borrowed the two stories and adapted that I will use today and next week for my sermons. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth in the meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The kingdom of God is among us. Many years ago, there was a man who worked in a pottery factory. A large man, a quiet man, by all accounts a faithful man. Let's call him Joe. Now, as with So many of us, Joe came to work each day, kept to himself, did his job to the best of his ability, and then went home. Now, at this factory, as with so many factories, there was always something extraneous left over at the end of the day, something that was the result of human error along the production line, and as we know, to err is human, nothing much, a piece of broken glass, a ribbon or two, a shard of broken pottery. And most of that would go to a landfill somewhere, junk never to be heard or seen again, but not all of it. Every day, Joe would find his way to that growing pile of junk, silently sifting through that extraneous product to the production line, where he would pick out, much to the bemusement of his co-works, a couple of new pieces of junk that he would add to a now-growing pile of junk, which occupied an increasingly larger portion of his locker. But Joe didn't allow the snickers from his co-workers to stop him. Each day, either coming in early or staying late, Joe found a way to do something with that junk. He found a way to work with that trash, that refuge, that stuff that everyone else had thrown out to turn it into something New, not always beautiful or artistic or complex, but new. So that he always had something unique or colorful to bring home. 
You see, Joe had a son whom he learned at a very young age would never leave his bed. And his wee lad, as Joe called him, lived his whole life in a small bed, in a small room, in a small house, and large Joe, though he couldn't always find ways to express it with words, loved his wee lad more than anything in this broken world. And so, even if it meant a little extra time at work, Joe would find a way to bring something home that would make his son's face light up, even if for only a moment. He took the scraps that everyone else had discarded in the name of of love. The kingdom of God is among us. Once, according to Luke, some Pharisees, those keepers of the law, asked Jesus when the kingdom of God was coming. We don't have any context for the question. It just pops up as questions sometimes do. We're just told that once, at some point, The Pharisees asked Jesus this question, when is the kingdom of God coming? And it's a good question. It's one we might have been asking ourselves of late, if not in so many words. Maybe we've even asked it this week as we've looked around at the political mess in which we find ourselves in. As we hear new stories of ice caps breaking away, of meetings with Russian lawyers, of health care without the care, of dissidents, Nobel Peace Prize winning dissidents dying in jail, it might seem only natural for us to take a moment and to ask ourselves, is this the end? Is the kingdom of God finally upon us? Have we reached our destination. The Pharisees had a similar question. They wanted to know about timing. When is the kingdom of God coming? Perhaps they wanted to get invitations out in time. We don't know. More likely, they were just waiting for that moment when they could finally get their reward for all of the hard work that they had put in for so often choosing law over love. People often expect a reward for that. Now, to be fair, Luke, like Matthew and Mark, also believed that the kingdom of God was imminent, that it wasn't too long before it would be coming. Those three gospel writers believed that when they were writing to those first century Christians that Jesus was coming back any moment that the kingdom of God would be upon them, that the uncertainty and alienation and exclusion of the present age would soon pass. But as we know, they were wrong. 
John would have to deal with their mistake a generation or so later, but Matthew and Mark and Luke, each in their own way, promising that not a generation would pass before these things came to be, each of them, it turns out, was wrong. And those first century Christians were left scratching their heads. Asking that question, which also has some familiarity in our minds. Why? Fortunately for them, like us, we get by with a little help from our friends. And our help this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, from a strange little passage that speaks about the kingdom of God in such a different way that its authenticity to Luke has been questioned. You see, when those Pharisees asked that question of Jesus in this passage from Luke, Jesus offers a strange little answer. He says the kingdom of God will not be coming in things that can be seen. You won't be able to say, look, there it is, or, oh, here it is. No, the kingdom of God is among you. Or as might be better translated, within you, within us. Gulp? That's a difference, isn't it? It puts some things in perspective, not the least of which it asks us to take our eyes away from the sky and put them towards the mirror. Not that it makes it easier, but it does make a little sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that we don't look for the kingdom of God in those things in this world, that we don't sit around and wait for it to happen to us. No, we are a part of the kingdom of God. It's not passive, it's active. That we each have a role in bringing it about Friends, the kingdom of God is not some apocalyptic vision for the end of the world. It is the end of our faith. That is the point toward which we are all progressing when we all finally live as God commanded. And fortunately, we know that the gospel writers didn't get that part wrong. We have the entirety of scripture and our own experience of God to affirm it. The truth is, as people of faith, we're really only called to do two things— To love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, or put more succinctly, we are called to love. Full stop. I give you a new command that you love one another. For some of us, that means staying a little late at the factory. For some of us, that means letting go of that broken heart or broken relationship or broken job. For some of us, it means putting down our phones, spending our time a little differently or money a little differently or life a little differently. For all of us, it means work. We don't love in the abstract, we love in the concrete. 
person to person, soul to soul, heart to heart. That's the only way we can love. It's the only choice we have. It's not all sunshine and roses. It's the kind of love that makes us want to stand up when everyone else says sit down. It's the kind of love that makes us speak out when we'd rather be silent. It's the kind of love that makes us go when we'd rather stay. But it's also the kind of love that gives us life. The kind of life that not even death can destroy. If that feels hard, the good news is we don't have to do it alone. That's part of why we're here this morning. That's why we're, we've tuned in on the radio, isn't it? Because we're looking for a little help from our friends. That's the entire purpose of the church universal, to help one another in love, to walk alongside one another, to figure this out together. Sometimes we've forgotten that completely, but our entire goal is to help one another to love, to love God and to love a neighbor, or more succinctly, to love. Our job is to help remind each other that each and every person we encounter is a child of the same God, young and old, black and white, gay and straight, male and female, rich and poor, broken and whole, and everyone between and beyond. We are all friends, children of the same God, which means that we come from an awfully large family, which means we come from an awfully strange family, which means that we are called to pull together the scraps that every Everyone else has discarded. We do it in the name of love. The kingdom of God is among us. Howard Thurman used to say that we have each been given a crown to grow into, that Jesus meets us where we are and treats us as if we were already where we longed to be, and we are to offer that crown to other people, to show people that they also have this crown, that it is within us to do. That's how we are called to interact in this world. Yes, Luke was overly optimistic that the kingdom of God was just around the corner. He was overly, perhaps, optimistic that we would be able to take down those barriers, that we would be able to crumble those walls, recognizing, as we too often forget, that it's hard to love your neighbor through a wall. But the truth is that the kingdom of God is just as close for us today as it was when Luke was writing. It is not a place. It's a vision for how this world could look if we all lived as God called us to live. kingdom of God is among us. And sometimes all it takes is one act of love repeated over time to change this world. No one knows how Joe's co-workers found out about his wee lad. No one ever spoke about it. 
Nevertheless, one by one, each of those workers started collecting scraps of their own. And a couple of times a week, Joe would return to his locker at the end of the day to find a little cup with wheels or a painted piece of glass or an engraved carving on wood. And he understood. Over the next few months, they say that the culture in that pottery factory changed. The men became quiet, gentle, kind, swearing less frequently, if not altogether. And then they noticed Joe's face growing increasingly weary and recognized the shadow, the inevitable shadow that was growing nearer. They began to do pieces for Joe every day and leave them for him so that he could come in a little later or go home a little earlier. And so it was that on that day when that funeral bell tolled, And that small boy left that small house in a small box. One hundred stalwart workers there stood, dressed in clean shirts, having taken the day off for the privilege of walking alongside Joe and his wee lad, whom not a one had seen in life. They couldn't take away Joe's pain. That's a part of love. But they could remind him that he was not alone. Friends, neither are we. The kingdom of God is among us. Let us not keep each other waiting. Amen. We come now to a time of prayer in our service. I invite you to assume a physical posture that resonates most with you at this time, sitting or standing or kneeling where you are or coming to the communion rail. Let us turn our hearts, minds, and bodies to prayer, beginning with the call to prayer, Lead me, Lord.
Holy God, we were yours before we drew breath, and still we will be yours when the pulse of life ceases, for we are of one family with all of creation. In every fragile, reckless moment, we belong to you. We thank you for the life-giving love of those who came before us and shaped us. May the love we have received spill gratitude from our hearts. May the wounds we carry open our hearts to the needs of others. May we recognize in your mercy the beauty and mystery of every human bond. We lift to you now in all that seems irreconcilable in our families, in our schools and workplaces, in our nation, in your church, and in your world. We pray for those we identify as leaders in every sphere of life. We pray particularly for the elected leaders of every level and for all whose decisions weigh heavily on others' experiences. Even so, Lord, give us the courage to name ourselves as those whose responsibility is great. Teach us to act, to tend the world you love, to sow more than we reap, to heal more than we wound, to make room for others as you made room for us. Redeeming God, stake your claim upon us now until we hear your gospel echo in each stranger's story and see your image reflected on every wounded face. For we pray in the name of Jesus, who unsettles our lives for the sake of your love. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children and in our most familiar tongue, we are bold to pray together the prayer that Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Good morning. We extend our warm welcome to you all again on this equally warm day in July. We thank you for joining us as a part of our community of worship today, whether you're here in the sanctuary listening on the radio or live stream or on the internet or later on our podcast. For those of you joining us here in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. This will help us get to know you better and for you to get to know one another better. Following the service, our summer non-coffee hour will take place out on Marsh Plaza. Please, we invite all of you to please join us for lemonade and cookies in fellowship with our community outside. Next week, our preaching series on New Directions in Discipleship will continue for a second week with uh, the Reverend Dr. Stephen Cady. We look forward to what he will share with us then. For the remainder of the summer preaching schedule, please consult your bulletin or log on to the Marsh Chapel webpage at bu.edu chapel. We also want to remind those of you joining us in person or planning to join us in person on Sunday mornings at the end of July and beginning of August that construction on the Commonwealth Bridge will begin on Wednesday, July 26th and extend to at least August 14th. Information on alternative routes and impacted roads can be found on the insert in today's bulletin, as well as on our website at bu.edu chapel. Maps of road closures are also available from the hospitality staff in the main office. The chapel will remain open during the construction and Sunday service at 11 a.m. will continue on a normal schedule. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
giver of life. We do not want the cares of the world and the lure of wealth to choke out your word among us. As the sower casts seeds abundantly and hopefully, so we long to participate in the planting of grace and mercy in your world. Receive these gifts as tokens of our lives. Send your cultivating spirit to work among us until we yield and grow in grace. For we pray in the name of Jesus, who came out of love for the world. Amen.
Go now in peace, in joy, and in hope, in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Mother of us all, to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. Amen.